Welcome to Kenny and the Coaches. We're nearing district play in the high school football season. Hopefully the team you are cheering for is having a successful run in the early stages of the season. One thing my guest on this episode and I have in common is that we're both cheering for the same team. Today I'll visit with co-worker, podcast veteran, and Velma Elma offensive coordinator Ben Justice. And here's our conversation. All right, Coach, thanks for taking time uh, to visit with me a little bit. I know when we record this, it's going to be before school starts, but it's always a busy time trying to get these things in and kind of getting ready for school. So thanks for visiting with me a little bit. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm glad to be on. Now, first off, tell us kind of about your journey to Velma. So, uh, you know, my journey to Velma first when I was in, in college um, I knew I wanted to coach and uh, my dad said well if, you know, if you're going to coach you don't need to wait till you're out of college and so he knew uh, the coach at Thomas uh, Bob Ward and he hit him up and, uh, and got me a spot over there and so during college I, I coached for three years at Thomas mm-hmm. uh, and we were super successful and uh, we only lost three ball games in three years uh, 2014, we were the state champs, undefeated. Um, we've had we had some really good teams. Yeah. And so uh, had some good years there, and then after graduating, uh, I got a job with my dad at Ringling, uh, which is where I met my wife, and uh, you know a lot a lot of good things. And uh, mm-hmm. we did we did a lot of good things there. Uh, we were district champs three years in a row. Uh, had a lot of success, and then uh, after that. Uh, those three years then I went to Velma and I uh, just finished up my fifth year at Velma uh, coach Norton who's the current head coach hired me whenever he got there mm-hmm. and um, it, it wasn't the best of the best situation when we got there but I think we've done a good job of, of turning things around and, and have had a lot of success since being there yeah now what is what is that like like having success I mean you went to the mountaintop you know just even in college, you know, uh, what is that like? Kind of once you get there, you know what it is taking to get there. How does that, you know, like when you're trying to get back there, what is that kind of like for you? You know, I, I think the big thing is just you learn the process, mm-hmm. you know, and, and how you should do things on a day to day basis. And, uh, you know, whether you're, whether you're super successful and, and going to win a championships or not, you know, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even if you're kind of one of those average teams, you just kind of learn what the daily grind ought to look like and uh, the, the little details that you need to be focusing on. And, uh, you know, I think mm-hmm. a lot of people, it, it's it's easy to get caught up on the results. Yeah. You know, you talked about, you know, some of the results, and, and, and that's kind of what I talked about too on some of that of, of having success. But success comes from focusing on the process and, and making sure that you're doing the little things right. And, uh, mm-hmm. and that's what really ends up, you know, turning things around and making you be successful. And so, you know, coming into Velma, that was a lot of the focus was just, okay, let's focus on the process and mm-hmm. just get better each day. And, and the results are going to take care of themselves. Absolutely. And that is, I mean, that is a, that, that's a cliche thing that you hear a lot, but that is 1000% true because in the games that you lose, I mean, I know, you know, a lot of times in eight-man football, it's either it seems like it's either blowout one way or another. But the thing that kind of gets those blowouts rolling is just little things. You know, little things yes. that if you don't do right, 
you're not going to be able to fix it in the flow of a game. That's things you got to work on, you know, in the first four days of football practice. You know what I mean? Yes. And then people, yes. I, I, especially kids, I think it's like they want to get to Z, but it's so hard to stay focused on the ABC all the way up to that, you know. And yeah, you're, I sure. said you're a thousand percent correct on that. It is the little things. Now, yes, and it, oh, go it ahead. hasn't gotten any better with, uh, you know, with all the online. I mean, there's so many rankings and, and mm. predictions and this and that online now. You know, it, it used to be just the, you know, the Oklahoma would come out of the top ten that you'd see on Sunday. <laughs> but now, I mean, you know, everybody and their, their cat and dog has a ranking. And so, you know, yeah. kids can see that kind of stuff and, you know, with, with TikTok and all that. And so, oh. yeah, it's, it's a lot easier for people to focus on uh, results than it is process. Yeah. Now, okay, kind of shifting gears back to coaching. Uh, who are some of the people in your life that kind of inspired you to become a coach? Well, first, I'd, I'd say my dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, he coached high school football for, for over 25 years, I believe. And uh, he was he was always really successful and, and had some great teams. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so growing up with that, you know, I think it was number one. And, uh, you know, just kind of wanting to follow in, in his footsteps. And then uh, that that was probably my biggest influence right there. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then being around Coach Ward and Thomas, you know, he just he kind of fueled that fire even more. You know, I, I knew I was wanting to coach, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, it had it was a whole new perspective for me on things because I'd just seen mm-hmm. how my dad had done things, and uh, and I would say Coach Ward and my dad are about polar opposites on things. And uh, mm-hmm. so it was, it was probably good for me to go out there and just kind of see, okay, this is this is another way of how things can be done, uh, but, but still have success. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's definitely uh, some similarities, but there's also some differences. That, you know, I'd, I'd say my dad's probably more of an energetic, fired-up guy, where, where Coach Ward's a, a real laid-back, mm-hmm. calm guy. And I, I'd say probably kind of more like myself, to be mm-hmm. honest. Yeah. Um, you, you know, I, I have some similarities where I get kind of fired up like my dad, but then I'd say the majority of the time I'm more of a, like uh, more like Coach Ward, where I'm just kind of calm, and uh, mm-hmm. and that's kind of how he was. And so it was it was neat to get to see that, and so I think that just kind of fueled that that fire and passion even more of just being out there and, and saying, you know, hey, you can you can do this a lot of different ways. Oh yeah, yeah. And I think that's you know I think that's so important to have on a staff almost like a you know a variety of different coaching styles you know because different yes. kids respond to different things I've always kind of looked at myself as more laid back I probably a lot like you you know I'm laid back but then I get fired up too at, at, when it's needed you know yes. and I, I just I, but you're a whole lot younger than me I don't know if I would have the energy <laughs> to stay fired up all the time I see some guys that can just do it and they are completely gassed at the end of a game and I'm like well, I mean, uh, whatever floats your boat. I mean, that's not yeah. my not my thing, but more power to you. You know. <laughs> yeah. Now, are there are there people in your coaching circle, or just people that you go to, like whenever you need advice on something? Yeah. So I I got some buddies from college uh, that that coach at some places, and uh, you know, it, I think it's I think it's super important to have some people outside of where you coach that you can go and mm-hmm. bounce some ideas off of. And uh, you know, and just talk about some daily things. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, of, of working through some ideas or maybe, you know, just some struggles, you know, of, hey, man, if you've been through a situation like this and, and uh, you know, get, get an outside perspective on some things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, not that it's always, you know, good things or bad things, just, uh, you know, just some life things, really. Yeah. And uh, so I got some that, you know, I'll, I'll hit up and, uh, and, and talk to and visit on of, of you know, hey, what would you do in this situation? Sometimes it's it's football and it's scheme, or sometimes it's mm-hmm. it's you know just you know like pressure situations. Hey, how do you how do you handle a big moment like this? You know. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, it's it's always nice to to hear what they think. Just having an outside perspective. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that can that can change your view and help out. Yeah, and sometimes it's just little things. So they're like, oh, why didn't I think of that? You know yeah. what I mean? And so I mean, you need that though. I think everybody needs that. Now, how I was the other day, we were in the coach's office, and I, your wife was in there. And, and how how important is your wife to helping you out with things? Because I was almost floored when she was like, "Oh yeah, I'll I'll, I'll DK that for you guys." And I was like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> how, how big is that? How 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 big is your wife um, in helping you out with things?" No, I'd, I'd say she's a huge role. I mean, obviously, you know, doing things like that of wanting to help out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she, we have two kids and, uh, they're both, uh, they're both under four. We got a four year old and a one year old. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot going on on Saturdays and Sundays, you know, when I'm trying to game plan and, and get ready for opponents and, you know, she's, she's kind of taking the, the burden of, of taking care of the kids, the house. And, and so she does a ton just to keep things moving on the home front. Yeah. Uh, you know, and like, uh, you know, she'll bring up some meals every now and then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and uh, I think she brought the, the chicken pot pie and apple pie up there whenever yeah. he was there. And, uh, you know, she tries to do some little things to just kind of help out and make things easier there, too. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I think that's a huge, huge important deal that, you know, a coach needs a spouse that's going to help. And, uh, you know, because you already got so many. You know, you already got so many irons in the fire, and you already got so many problems you're trying to deal with. You know, you don't need yeah. something extra on the home front. And so she plays a huge role, and, and I I appreciate her a ton. She yeah. does she does a fantastic job. Yeah. Now so I know you're always researching offenses and practices and anything to better yourself in the team. How do you kind of filter through everything that you look at? Because I'm assuming you look at a ton of things that you don't even kind of tell us about. And how do you implement those things? to to what you're doing at Velma. Yeah, so you're right. I'm each day I'm trying to find something new. Mm-hmm. And uh, and coach Norton is funny. He actually asked me this question uh, a few months back of, you know, after watching so many of those videos, aren't they all kind of the same? Yeah. And and the answer to that was yes, but you're looking for nuggets. You know, you're not mm-hmm. trying to hit the gold mine. You're just trying to find a nugget here and there and that one little thing that can that can help you get better mm-hmm. and so you know i think i think you have to kind of keep in perspective of you know hey this is what can help us this this might not help us but you know maybe it's a little variance that we can tweak something mm-hmm. you know it's like i said it's the nuggets it's the little things and so that's you know it's some and sometimes you know feel like you hit the gold mine you know every now and yeah. then i've had those moments where i'm like oh my gosh you know this this is huge and this is going to change uh, a ton of things yeah 
Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the times it's, hey, what one thing can I steal from this presentation? What one little thing can I get from this? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think you have to kind of keep that in mind of what can help us. And then, and probably another part of that, I'm always kind of evaluating of cheap versus expensive. <laughs> yeah. You know, yes, this can help us, but it's super expensive to put in. Mm-hmm. Uh, or hey, this can help us, and it's it's cheap, and it's something that we can have in and in five minutes, or maybe even less. You know, we can have a big playoff of it. Yeah. And so you have to kind of keep that in mind of how much time is this going to take? Yeah, this might be really good, mm-hmm. but it might be something that it takes you three weeks of, of reps mm-hmm. to, to have looking decent. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we're not we're not going to go in and install the, the triple option. You know, yeah. we're not, mm-hmm. not going to get under center and do that just <laughs> one week all of a sudden. If we're going to do that, it's because we're going to – we're going to be that way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's super expensive, yeah. but, uh, you know, there's, there's other plays out there, the little wrinkles, maybe some tags that you can learn and you go, okay, Hey, you know, that play is like something we already have. Mm-hmm. So that can, you know, when you say, Hey, when we say this word, we make this little adjustment, you know, mm-hmm. it, it took you 30 seconds to teach it and, mm-hmm. and you got to rip it a few times and it's similar and the kids can pick it up fast. Yeah. And, you know, and sometimes that stuff doesn't work. You know, I mean, I think that's part of uh, why your offense has been so explosive is that you've probably tried things and like, hey, that won't work. Now I know it doesn't work, you know, and just, yeah. keep, and just keep on bettering yourself. It's, to me, that stuff's impressive because a lot of people are afraid to fail, you know. Yes. And I, that's something that, you know, to be kind of creative and explosive, I think sometimes you got to not be afraid to fail. Yeah. Yes, we've definitely had our fair share of failures on some things. Yeah, uh, but but like you said, though, we've also had uh, our fair share of, of explosives and, and mm-hmm. good things that have happened from it. Yeah. Now, one thing that I've kind of always gone back and kind of looked at is people that come down from that have always been involved in eleven man and, and come down. I, I hate saying coming down because it sounds like eight. That makes it sound like eight man's not as good of a product, but. Correct transitioning I guess that's a better word from 11 man to 8 man I've always kind of whenever I'm coaching defense back in you know way back in my Fox days I could always tell whenever someone had always coached 11 man because they would try to bring those exact things do it the exact same way in 11 man and just take three guys out and try to do it in 8 man I always loved playing those guys because I always knew what worked against that where do you think people kind of mess up in bringing stuff from 11-man to 8-man? You know, there's a number of things that it can be. Mm-hmm. You know, I think first off, probably something that I've seen more than anything is what I feel like is just misuse of personnel. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, of, of, you know, hey, we want to run this scheme, but they don't necessarily have the kids to run that scheme. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people that are throwing kids in at tight end that are 150-pound receiver-looking kids. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going, you know, I feel like you'd be better off splitting them out because that cat, you know, yeah, your scheme is sound, but that kid's going to get whooped by our 180-pound D end. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so there have been some things like that where I think, you know, people try to fit a, a square peg in a round hole, yes. per se. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's probably one of the biggest things. Um, you know, speaking on an offensive 
perspective, I think pass pro gets overlooked a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's a lot of guys that, uh, you know, they'll, they'll only want to use a three man pass pro and, and it's easy to get pressure. Yeah. And so I think you have to have some variances of, you can have a four or five or maybe even six man pass pro. Um, and, and, you know, it's not always big on big, maybe you're full slide and maybe it's a half slide and you're inserting somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I think that gets overlooked a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from a, probably a defensive perspective, probably, you know, one of the biggest things I would say is just matching vertical threats and backs out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes, a lot of times for me in the passing game, it's, you know, one of the first questions is, can people handle handles vertical and can people handle things, you know, out of the backfield? Can, you know, if we swing a back, is anybody going to go out there with them? Yeah. We, and we've got a lot of cheap yards off of things just like that of, you know, hey, we're going to send guys vertical, we're going to send them back out, and let's see if they can just match it. And if they can, that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a lot of times that people will just overlook those kind of things. Yep. Yes. And so, you know, I, I think you have to come in with kind of your non-negotiables of, okay, we have to make sure that, you know, these things are taken care of. And then once those are taken care of, then you can focus on some of the other things. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I think that's different for everybody in, in whatever system they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can't say, you know, this is the one thing on offense and this is the one thing on defense um, mm-hmm. because everybody's system is different. Mm-hmm. But I think you kind of have to figure out things that you have to take care of to make your scheme sound against whatever's being thrown at you. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's easier to game plan for an eight-man defense as opposed to 11-man? Oh, I think – I mean, I know There's they both. obviously more things you can do in 11 man. Yes. Uh-huh. And, and, and I feel like really probably the thing with game planning on defense is a lot of times your hand is forced yeah. on certain things. So in a sense, it is easier because you go, well, we have to, you know, we have to do this to be sound. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times you don't even have to, you know, decisions are made for you almost in a sense of, you know, if a team puts two guys wide, well, you got to put two two guys out there. Mm-hmm. You know, so you so you got the other six in the box that you can decide what you're going to do with. Uh, where an eleven man, you know, you can still have choices of we're going to play two over two, we're going to play three over two, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, you can do that a lot of different ways. And so, in in a sense, there's ways in eight man that yes, it's easier to game plan because you know you have to do certain things to certain looks. But at the same time, you're going, well, they forced our hand. And you don't always like that. You, yeah. know? you don't mm-hmm. want to feel like the offense is dictating to you. You still want to feel like you're dictating to the offense. Mm-hmm. And so there can be issues of that. But I don't think that's necessarily um, a con. I don't think it's bad. Mm-hmm. Do you think that eight-man football is gaining popularity in Oklahoma? I think so. You know, the, the more the more teams are doing it, the more people get to watch it. They realize that eight man football is still football. Mm-hmm. You know, I and I think that's probably the thing that I've always you know heard before eight man of uh, wow, that's that's not real football. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, you know, I I ask those people to go watch a game. Yes, and uh, mm-hmm. and tell me what you think. You know, when you get there and it's it's blocking, it's tackling, mm-hmm. it's all the same stuff. Uh, just a few less people out there. And it's it's still a physical game. Yeah. You know, you have you have to go out and be physical. 
you're not it's you know people think it's like flag football or something it's not it's mm-hmm. still football yeah. you know that's that's why you know it's called eight man football yeah and uh you know i think people kind of overlook that and uh, I, I went down to texas not too long ago to visit with the school on some offense and yeah. you know they don't have eight man in texas yeah. they have six man and so and i six man football is still football but it's it's vastly different from eight man football yeah and so they were extremely confused. And, uh, they, they just, they couldn't hardly put this together in their head of, oh, wait, what, what are you guys doing? <laughs> and uh, it was like, oh, was that like six-man football? And no, it's not like six-man football. Yeah. And, uh, but it's still, it's still blocking and tackling. And the more people are exposed to it, and I think, you know, with the online platform now, people can go and see those games a lot easier. You don't, you don't have to leave your living room to see an eight-man football game now. Yeah, yeah, you know, with with Squirtle, heck, you can get on there and see fifty different games on Friday night, mm-hmm. and uh, and a handful of those are going to be eight man. Yeah, and so it's it's getting so much more exposure that I think it's becoming more and more popular. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think if people would just come watch an eight a good eight man game, you know, with two yes. good teams, I think they it, it would change a lot of opinions on it. Because I've always thought too. I mean, I've seen I've asked people this question too, but I, I've seen. Um, athletes that could definitely play at the next level. I mean, uh, people only think that those guys are, you know, playing at your 4A, 5A, 6A schools, but there's a lot of guys in eight-man football that, that could and should be playing on Saturdays, you know. I agree. Now, what are your thoughts on this? I think I'm, I may have asked you this before, just me and you, but what do you think of having a nice regulation eight-man field somewhere in the middle of the state to host a semifinal and championship games in BNC? I think I have asked. I you would, that. I would love that. I think that would be a great idea. Yeah. Uh, you know, just so that way more people can go and see them. Yeah. Yes. You know, I know. Uh, you know, there there have been times where I've wanted to go some, to some of those state championship games, but they've been in Alpha or something like that, and I'm going well. Yeah. I don't want to go that far, and I I do kind of understand. Uh, you know, trying to make it equal distance for teams and things like that. Um, but you know, eleven man schools—they all get to go yeah. to Oklahoma City and, and play, and, and people get to go there and see it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, part of me goes, "Yes, I would—I'd love for it to be in Oklahoma City, and, and you know, it's kind of that central location for everybody mm-hmm. uh, to to go and watch it as spectators." But then I also do understand of you know, if you got two teams up north, well, maybe Alpha is the best place. Yeah. And yeah, so I, I see it from both perspectives. It's just you know, whenever I watch, and no, like I said this is no offense to the schools that host the the B and C semis and, and finals, but I just I hate seeing the the makeshift sidelines. I mean, I, yes. it, they're they're really nice fields, and the, you know, kudos to the people that host them. But man, it's just I don't think it it, it doesn't necessarily take away from it. But it, when I look at it, I'm like, eh, you know, I sure wish that was an yeah. actual eight man field. And you know, I mean, like Miami does such a good job with the with the All Star game that they that they host. And I know it's not the regulation field too, but man, it would just be nice to kind of showcase eight man football. You know, yes. uh, this, that's just my opinion. Now, I agree. what do you what do you think of this uh, the class splits coming next year or next you know in twenty four? I think it's I think it's a great idea. You know, there's there's such a difference in the the ADMs at small schools. You know, mm-hmm. when you're trying to find eight players, yeah. And so mm-hmm. I think it's a great idea. I uh, from that perspective, just on 
on just trying to find bodies, you know. Because mm-hmm. some of those people that were at the, the lower end of ADMs and Class B, you know, it's tough when you're trying to play the people on the, the top end of it. Yes. You know, we, we've all been there where we're kind of a small school having to play the schools that are so much larger, and you're just going, oh, you know, dang, this is tough. Mm-hmm. And uh, can it be done? Yes, but it's tough. And so I think getting those numbers, you know, a little more even. And then I really like the idea of there being four rounds of playoffs as opposed to five. Yes. Yeah. I think five is just, it's too much. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's its incredibly difficult to stay healthy. And, uh, you know, if looking south of us in Texas, you know, they play six rounds. But every, every classification plays six rounds. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't go, well, six, eight, you know, there's – not very many of y'all in this class and so you're going to play three rounds mm-hmm. you know and then look at the smaller classes and say well you're going to play six they don't do that and so you know i feel like at least that's even for everybody and uh if you look at oklahoma you know they had it where there was teams playing three rounds four rounds and five rounds mm-hmm. well i don't i don't think that's necessarily good for the smaller schools playing five rounds and so i like that idea of of Hey, let's get one less game. Let's try to keep kids healthy. Yeah, and uh, and it's going to be more competitive, which I like. Yeah, and you know, I mean, if you kind of think about it too, I mean, the smaller schools have, you know, we're smaller, so we have less players, and you're asking teams with less players to play more games. You know? Yes. I mean, like yeah, you were talking about with the injury, you know. Yeah. Yes. If you could put the perfect offense together. What style of offense would it be? Would you be more pass-based, run-based? I mean, are you flinging it all over the place or cramming it down with uh, I think being able to be multiple personnel really is probably my ideal thing. And now I know that's kind of kind of cheating because, you know, you're saying like, hey, what would your best eight look like? Yeah. But, you know, I, I like to be able to – to fit whatever situations we have going on. Now, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, I I, I kind of like throwing the football, yeah. but I also know you got to establish the run game and you got to be able to do things there too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've I've never considered myself to be a air raid guy. You know, where they're, you know, we're gonna throw it short and then when they take that away, throw it deep and then when they take that away, then we're gonna run the football. Mm-hmm. I've I've never been that way, and that's probably because my dad was a wing T guy. Yeah, and so you know it was it was we're going to run it first, and uh, and so I've, I still kind of have that mentality. And at Thomas, we were spread, mm-hmm. and it was a it was a multiple personnel spread, and so I think a lot of what I do now is based around that, and that's kind of my ideal offense. Is we can you know we can go no tight ends, we can throw tight ends in there, uh, we can go one back, we can go two back, we can go empty, mm-hmm. and so being able to adjust and just do a lot of different things. Uh, that that appeals to me, mm-hmm. and so I would say probably that would be my ideal offense. But then from there, uh, doing both things really well. If we can run the ball well, but we can also throw the ball well too. Mm-hmm. And so you know, there's there's teams that don't defend the passing game as well, and then there's teams that that don't like it when you run at them. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I want to be able to do either. You know, I want teams to you know we can kind of pick our poison you know, to what, to what we need to do. Yeah. Now, have you ever coached the defensive side? I mean, like, been like coordinator on the defensive side? I, I've never been a, a D coordinator, but I have, I have coached secondary each year. Okay. And so, you know, I've, I've, and I study a lot of defense. 
I, I probably mm-hmm. study just as much defense in the offseason as I do in the, uh, you know, as I do offense. Mm-hmm. And so it's you got to know what the dark side's doing. You know, <laughs> yeah. you, can, you can't just let them go over there and start uh, start <laughs> making adjustments and doing things without knowing. Yeah. Now, what? Which? So, well, I asked that in, in asking which do you think is tougher to compete against? Uh, a stout, hard-nosed defense or a high-powered offense? Oh, man. I, I think it's probably tougher to go against a stout defense. Yeah. You know, of, you know, gosh, you know, I, I've been in some of those games of when you're scoring, man, the, you know, there's a lot of momentum and things get exciting. And, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of kind of waves of emotions going both ways. But when there's a stout defense, man, it just – that can be really mentally just demoralizing. I feel yeah. like, and it just kind of keeps that way, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And hopefully, hopefully your uh, your defense is being stout too, mm-hmm. and so that kind of helps with that. Yeah. So, yeah. and a lot of times with those stout defense, they're they're super physical, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. which is grinding on your team. And so, I would say going against a stout defense. Uh, but I, you know, I don't really prefer to go against either. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I hear you. I hear you. I, there, I, I don't know if you're this way, but like when you're, like I said, I've never called plays. I mean, at, at, on the high school level, but like calling defense whenever, whenever I can tell that I've got the other team, like I've seen everything that they're going to do, and even some trick stuff that they've tried, and it's not working. That, like you were talking about that demoralizing part. I'm sure it's – is it the same for you on offense? Like whenever you have like, all right, I've seen everything that they've done and they're not getting anywhere close to stopping us. Is that kind of like a, oh, yeah, kind of feeling for you? Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> always nice when you can find that thing that's just giving them fits and just – and they, they can't seem to figure out how to get adjusted to it. And you know there's an adjustment to it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, whenever whenever you have them – you know, and that's one of the reasons why we're up tempo too. You know, yeah. that's a that's a big part of our offense. Uh, when we do find that thing that's just driving them, you know, nuts and giving them fits, now if we just hit the gas and we just don't even give you a chance yep. to try to adjust it, man, that is that is so much fun. And uh, and I can you know thinking back to our quarterfinal game against Regent, we we found a set that just they didn't line up too very well. Mm-hmm. And, and we got that set over and over and over and just ran place quick out of it and just gave them all sorts of fits and, and had a ton of yards and, and, and touchdowns. And it got us out of a huge hole in one deal because we had a, a fourth and seven or fourth and eight, something like that, right off the bat on, on our side of the 50. And we hit like a 50-something yard pass play out of it uh, just because they had some problems lining up to it. Yeah. And it was a huge momentum changer for us. And uh, so that's always a lot of fun when you can find that, whatever that thing is. And, uh, you know, some weeks it's easier to find. Some some weeks it's it's a little more difficult. But when you do, man, it's a real satisfying, fun feeling. Yeah, yeah. I said, I've been on the opposite sideline of you a couple of years ago. <laughs> and it was just that. It was, and it, uh, being on the opposite side of that, it was like crap. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things. I was like, I ain't, there's nothing I can do, you know. <laughs> that, that's that's a sucky feeling. I ain't gonna lie, but it is. I mean, it's it's a sucky feeling, but it's just as good a feeling when you're on the other side of it. So. Yes. Now, okay, done with the big questions. Now I've got the big three questions I'm going to ask you. It's just three kind of off the wall questions. All right. All right. First thing, 
What is something people would be surprised to hear that Ben Justice is bad at? Oh, that I'm bad at? Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I'd say I'm, I'm kind of, I'm actually kind of an introvert, and I kind of like my, my peace and my quiet time. And so <laughs> when, when it comes, I would say I'm horrible at small talk. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, conversations outside of sports, sometimes I go, uh, issues. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, um, you know, that. That could maybe be one thing right there. Yeah. That, I, that, I, I feel you on that because a lot of times, like, if I'm talking to someone and we're not talking football or basketball or something, I'm like, yeah, okay. Oh, I got to go. You know? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Number two, if you could visit with any athlete or coach to pick their brain, past or present, who would it be? Oh, man. I would say present, I would say Vince Lombardi. Mm. Uh, you know, I've always I've always liked a lot of his stuff, and I would I would say talk to him for sure. Present, I would probably say Nick Saban or Bill Belichick. Mm. You know, that, both of those. <laughs> gosh, it'd be awesome to sit down and visit with, with them. Yeah, speaking of introverts, I don't know how much you'd get out of Belichick. Uh, probably not a lot. <laughs> so. All right, final question. You go to the local Velma Elma Pizza Emporium, and on the menu is the Ben Justice Pizza. What's on it? I need to know the toppings, the sauce, and the type of crust. Oh, man, okay. I'm, oh, that's tough. <laughs> I like a lot of different pizzas, so mm-hmm. that's that's tough. Um, but I'm probably going to say, any, first off, we got to have meat on there. If there's no meat, it's not pizza <laughs> to me. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm going to go with probably... Probably uh, Canadian bacon and uh, and beef, and then I'm a huge veggie guy, so I'm gonna have to have some bell peppers and onions on there. It's gonna be very similar to a supreme, okay. uh, but if I could just take off the mushrooms, <laughs> I'm, not, right. I'm not a mushroom guy. I don't I don't do mushrooms. Yeah, alrighty. Yeah, I've actually had someone. I can't remember who it was, but someone said they would do a vegetarian pizza. Just no meat. Oh, no. no. Well, Coach, uh, I know you're a pro at doing these podcasts, but I thank you for for being on this one and sharing your story and thoughts on Oklahoma High School football and shine on comments. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me on. Thanks again to Coach Justice for being on the podcast today, and thank you for listening. A new episode comes out every Sunday at 10 a.m. on your favorite podcasting site and also every Wednesday at noon exclusively on the Kenny and the Coaches Facebook page is Not So Instant Replay. You can check out the official Kenny and the Coaches website in the description, and if you're on Twitter, just search at Kenny Coaches. And don't forget, that's K-E-N-N-E-Y and the Coaches. Until next time.